Hey everybody, welcome back to another edition of the First in Orange podcast. This is Denver Post sports writer Kyle Newman, joined as usual by my colleague Parker Gabriel. We've got a packed show for you here today, talking the Broncos coaching staff as Sean Payton is rounding out the crew, and also takeaways from the Combine, George Payton and Sean Payton addressing reporters there, and what our comrade Parker saw out in Indianapolis. So let's start off with kind of the news of the last week or so, and that's Sean Payton picking his guys. And let's just start off with the the big names, Parker, and then filter on down. Vance Joseph as defensive coordinator, Joe Lombardi as offensive coordinator, and Sean Payton saying this week, hey, I liked what Vance Joseph did over his body of work in Arizona, considering those circumstances. And of course, with Joe Lombardi, a long track record there in New Orleans. What'd you make of those two hires, Parker? Yeah, it, it's super interesting because like, they, I think they both make a lot of sense uh, just in terms of, um, you know, fitting with Sean Payton. And at the same time, like Vance Joseph obviously has had some success in terms of his units in Arizona, but they've also had some tough years, especially this last year. Uh, and then Joe Lombardi was fired as the Chargers offensive coordinator after the collapse in the wildcard round. So it's not like, you don't look at it and say, man, this is just totally bulletproof. But at the same time, like it makes a lot of sense for Sean Payton in particular, I think, especially Joe Lombardi. You could you know, coach quarterbacks with him for 10 years. He's got 12 years with, with Sean Payton over two different stints in New Orleans. And then with Vance Joseph, like I just think the perception among like Broncos fans, for example, is probably skewed or it's definitely skewed by just the fact that he was in uh, Denver as a head coach that it didn't go well. But he's universally respected as a defensive mind, I think, in the NFL. Uh, and he's obviously going to have more talent on this Denver defense, even if they end up you know, losing a couple of key free agents, whether it's Draymond Jones, Alex Singleton, something like that. Um, he's, he's got a talented group that he's going to get to work with, and, and you would expect um, them to kind of stay on a similar track to what they've been on under both Vic Fangio and Adagiro Evero. So pretty much all new faces across the board here yeah. under Sean Payton, for the exception, a couple notable exceptions, defensive line coach Marcus Dixon and defensive backs coach Christian Parker among them. But then when you look at the new hires too, Parker, uh, obviously a couple names stand out, uh, assistant special teams coach Chris Banjo, and then of course quarterbacks coach Davis Webb and both these guys playing in the league this just this past year yeah. and Davis Webb played in the game on January 8th for the Giants and, and now he's going to be co- he threw 40 passes on January 8th that's insane now he's a quarterback's coach and now he's and, and here's the real question right that everyone's wondering and of course you address in your story as part of the Russell Wilson revitalization project you tab a guy that is six years younger than Russell Wilson. I mean, in terms of the respect thing, like how is that dynamic going to work and for a first-year NFL coach too? Yeah, it's super interesting. I think the, the way that I think about it most, and this is not to like this is not to like put down or minimize like what Davis Webb's job is going to be in any way, but like if you think about like what a really good backup quarterback does, right? He gets the starter ready to play. Um, he's in the room. He's quizzing him. He's got a great handle on the on the playbook. Like that's a big part of what a backup quarterback does is get a guy ready to play. And he did that really well in his career with Josh Allen and with Eli Manning. And I think essentially, like he obviously has a bigger role now than that. He also can't go in a game if Russell comes out. He's a coach now. But like I think in a way it's similar, right? Like it's a similar. You want to have that sort of like personal touch. You want to be able to sort of know 
exactly what Russell Wilson needs on a week-to-week basis, help him get the game plan together. Because even though Davis Webb's 28, he's six years younger than Russ, um, he was playing as recently as a few weeks ago, like they have a lot of quarterback knowledge and a lot of quarterback firepower on the coaching staff. Sean Payton, obviously, is the head coach. We already talked about um, the offensive coordinator, uh, Joe Lombardi, like 10 years as the quarterback's coach for Sean Payton. They've got John Morton, who's their passing game coordinator. Like All of these guys have worked together for a long time. So then they have Davis Webb. I think the idea is, is that he's sort of like the tailor-made fit for Russell in particular, um, you know, for, for now, obviously, for this year or the next few years or whatever. And then he's sort of he's sort of like the the closest of this you know concentric circles moving in toward the quarterback himself. And then just to backtrack a little, Parker, do you see Joe Lombardi? Obviously, he ousted it in Los Angeles after that choke fest in the in the playoffs. Chargers charging yeah. uh, a lot of passes in there when he just should have been handing off the rock, and obviously that contributed to it. But to make a long point short, is he going to be in more of a Justin Outen role? Do you see him this year in terms of, terms of you know contributing to play design and and everything and, and game game plan design? But Sean Payton is obviously calling the plays, right? Right. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. I mean, I think it's basically like he helps with the organization. Like Sean Payton said it uh, yesterday, he, he likes being really involved on the offensive side of the ball, but he's coaching the whole team. So some of that, the day to day, some of the meeting stuff. Obviously, Sean Payton's going to run a lot of that. But he's got a guy who he trusts implicitly because they've worked together for, you know, the better part of the last 15 years uh, in Joe Lombardi to sort of like also to be the next voice in that room. And whether that's play design, whether that's, um, you know, helping scout, whatever, like Sean's obviously very capable of doing that in his own right. But then you start stacking the familiar voices, Lombardi and John Morton in particular, Zach Street, the offensive line coach you know, played a decade uh, for Sean Payton and then was on the coaching staff for a couple of years. And so there's a lot of Sean Payton familiarity um, on the offensive side of the ball. And that all sort of like helps put him in the best position possible to play caller. At least that's the idea. And then that also allows you to sort of of like take a swing on a guy like Davis Webb and find out if maybe he's a young star in coaching or if he's, you know, just another guy. So taking a swing on Davis Webb, also taking a swing on Chris Banjo, who appeared in 13 games for Arizona this past season, and he is now an assistant assistant special teams coach. And I thought it interesting, Parker, that Sean Payton said, yeah, I was just sitting in my hotel room, you know, going through ex-players, seeing, hey, who's kind of at the end of their rope? Uh, Who can I call? Who wants to get into coaching? And uh, bada bing, he hits on Chris Banjo. So working the network there. And then, of course, he's not done yet, as you mentioned in your story. Still a couple spots left to fill. Maybe Matt Patricia joining this staff yeah. um, on, on the defensive side. And when you look at what what both these coordinators have to do, we just discussed Joe Lombardi's role, and, and obviously he's going to be secondary to Sean Payton in this Russ revitalization. But on the other side, can Vance Joseph – keep the momentum going for this Broncos defense that Vic Fangio and Evero established. I mean, it's, it's a high bar actually on that side as, is, as opposed yeah. to a low bar to clear on the other side. Yeah. Yeah, it is a high bar. And, and so, you know, we'll see if Matt Patricia ends up on staff. Sean Payton said he was going to talk to him again this week. Um, that, that seems like it's a, a possibility. Um, obviously there's nothing done on that front yet, but um, certainly, you know, with Vance Joseph, uh, Greg Minuski, the inside linebackers coach, has been a defensive coordinator uh, in his past. 
Um, they've got guys who have a lot of experience on, on that side of the ball, too. And then a couple of young coaches, even though like they've been full-time assistants. Christian Parker's been in Denver already for a couple of years, highly thought of. Marcus Dixon last year was his first year um, as a full-time assistant coach, well thought of. And so you just sort of go down the list, and it's an interesting group. I think there's probably a little bit – I mean, Vance, is he's been an NFL head coach, right? Like he's got a lot of experience. He's perfectly capable – of running a unit. Um, but I, I do think there's some interest in bringing in a guy like Matt Patricia as a sort of like another veteran voice in the room, right? Like he obviously would slot in under Vance. Uh, he wouldn't be the play caller uh, in all likelihood, but just to have sort of like as many guys with experience on that side of the ball as possible, um, that'd be an interesting addition, uh, especially given how weird it was last year in New England. He was calling offensive plays. He's a defensive coach. He's basically the OC. Right. Um, he's, he's, you know, didn't have a successful stretch as a head coach, obviously. But, uh, yeah, it's a very it's a very interesting staff, and, and that would obviously be a big name to still add to the equation in the next few days. And this is the First Norwich Podcast, brought to you by the Denver Post. Kyle Newman, joined by Parker Gabriel from Indianapolis. And speaking of Indy, let's go to the Combine now and impressions from what you saw there and obviously the Peyton show, both of those guys addressing the media there. And George Peyton, you know, he came out swinging. Obviously, he's going to be more reserved on some things, but he came out and was pretty direct on some other things saying, hey, we need to upgrade the O-line. Parker, you wrote about that. And then he also mentioned uh, Javante Williams. He's progressing. He's jogging. Wouldn't put a timetable on his return. Tim Patrick, he should be 100% as we all expected for week one in 2023. What were some of your you know, biggest takeaways other than uh, some more questions also about pending free agents, uh, Alex Singleton and uh, Jerry Judy's contract option, et cetera? Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's there's a lot of irons in the fire, basically. I mean, I think that they're going to probably have to be pretty aggressive in free agency, which starts in two weeks. Uh, they'll... They're in a decent cap position, but not a. They don't have fifty million dollars. I think they have about nine million in cap space right now. They can pretty easily clear uh, more of that off the books. But one of the things that's interesting is um, George Payton. He didn't say this at the podium, but he said it on the radio after the fact that they expect Draymond Jones uh, to hit the market. They're trying to work out an extension with him, but it doesn't sound like they're going to put the franchise tag on him. Uh, which, yeah, to me, like I think that probably makes sense right like the the defensive line franchise tag numbers are about 19 million um and you have to have that that cap space so uh in order to sign him to that tag so he's probably gonna be a free agent we'll see if anybody comes at him with a mega offer it seems like a little bit of a hedge that you know the broncos are saying you know we don't think he's gonna get a 20 million dollar offer you know 20 million dollar year offer from anybody else but if he does I'm not sure that Denver would go into that realm to bring Draymond Jones back. He's a really good player. Um, we'll sort of see where his market ends up. Um, so you could certainly see him, you know, in the 15 million range. If it goes higher than that, um, we're not really sure what if the Broncos would would sort of like go to the mat to try to get him back in that the sort of stratosphere of defensive line money. So there's a lot going on in that front, and then when you know. You walk around and you look at a lot of the guys that are invited to the combine, and there's going to be good players available for the Broncos when they when they finally pick at the top of the third round. But it really sort of turns into a crapshoot about what they're going to do because you just you can't you can't project, especially you know there's news this morning about Jalen Carter, the you know 
maybe the best player in the draft, um, getting, you know, having a worn out for his arrest in Georgia this morning. Like, you don't know what's going to happen in the first five picks, let alone the first two rounds entirely. Um, so they're just sort of doing their due diligence. Um, it's an interesting edge and defensive line class. It's a good running back class. There's some strong points, and we'll just sort of see what happens. I thought it was interesting. George has talked a couple times about the potential of if they don't like what's there at the top of the third round of sort of trading back and trying to get another pick or two, um, which makes sense. You want to maximize your value and where players are on your board, but at the same time, it's like, you know, if you start trading back from 68, um, you know, when are you going to take players later than that, obviously? So, and yeah, when, you, a, when are you going to get, when are you going to get impact players? If you're trading back right. from the third round, I mean, you pre- you want an impact player or two out of this rookie class. You start trading back from where you're already at. And it's, you know, George is already going to the draft with pennies in his pocket. So. Right. And, and there's really, there's only so many ways to, to turn pennies into dollars, right? I mean, that that's the thing about it. Like you have to, you have, uh, it's going to be very interesting to see how aggressive they are in free agent. I think they're going to be aggressive. Like I think, you know, that, that I'm not saying they're going to throw out the biggest money for, for the very top guys, but. I wouldn't be surprised if they signed multiple offensive linemen. They got five guys from their class, you know, from their team last year that are free agents. You know, maybe that's bringing back a guy like Cam Fleming on a on a reasonable deal, um, and then finding a bigger name tackle, whether it's you know Caleb McGarry from Atlanta or or if one of the other guys, Mike McGlinchey, hits free agency, you know, something like that. Um, and then it's a really interesting inside linebacker class. So whether it's Alex Singleton. You know, there's obviously a, a new big name on the market with like Bobby Wagner, but if it's not him, there's some guys that can really play it inside linebacker. So their approach, like I think that they're going to go about filling or trying to fill several spots via free agency, and then like a month from now, we'll have a little bit better feel about what their biggest needs, like draft wise, are, and then you can sort of try to figure out who's going to be around after 66 picks. And this is the First Orange Podcast brought to you by the Denver Post. That's Parker Gabriel from Indianapolis. This is Kyle Newman. Head to denverpost.com slash broncos for continued coverage of the team up to and through the draft and, of course, throughout the rest of the offseason. Appreciate you tuning in to today's show. And until next time, folks, take it easy.